Faith Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I'm really, really excited about today because um, our guest speaker, Alan Smith, is a friend of this house, and he's been coming quite a few years. And some of you that don't know Alan Smith, Alan um, by vocation, he, he has two jobs. You know, see, Apostle Paul had two jobs. He preached the gospel, and he made fishing tents on the side. Well, he has a vocational job where he is uh, a cow farmer. Actually, he's a dairy farmer. It's funny, you know, he's so down to earth, like he'll take my calls, and I say, well, Al, what are you doing? Well, I'm just here milking a few cows, and... I can talk, I can do, I can work and talk at the same time. And I'm like, wow. So, you know, I'm driving the tractor today. I'm plowing down about a thousand acres, you know, of uh, uh, whatever corn, getting ready for uh, the cows to feed them. So he's the most humble, down-to-earth individual I think I've ever met. But he's also one of the most um, anointed men in authority in the spirit that walks in apostolic power and in authority that I've ever seen. And Alan has, um, not only is he a cow dairy farmer, he's also a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Alan has um, served as a covering for many ministries over the years, churches, ministries. And... Um, He's a safe place. He's a safe place for people to come to and, and, and receive protection and oversight and direction. Um, and for many years, many of you know, our bylaws, how we have set them up with our elders, um, Jack Taylor has served as an apostolic covering over our church. You know, you got to realize that there's, there's, there's protection in covering because the Apostle Paul was a covering over Timothy, who Timothy then went and planted churches and set in elders in various churches in various cities. So the, the Apostle Paul was a covering, was a protection over his son Timothy, who was then, he was then overseeing different churches that he was planting. So there's, there's order, really, in the house, and, and there's safety under authority. You know, you, you really can't learn to walk in authority until you learn to operate under authority. Do you understand that? Some people say, well, I just want to be the leader. Well, okay, but first it might be that the Lord wants you to go low, and then in that promotion comes from the Lord. It comes from the north. It doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. It's from the Lord. So if you're trying to operate in authority before you've come under authority, you're kind of out of order. So in some ways, um, what we have seen in this house, Jack Taylor was kind of a papa for the house, okay? Well, our papa passed away. And, um, and in that, the elders, we all sense that, you know, we really need, we needed a replacement of our papa, which you can't replace Jack Taylor. I mean, how can you replace Jack Taylor? But, but, um, 
But Alan Smith served alongside Jack Taylor, overseeing and helping quite a few churches. And so, for instance, Jack told me one day, he said, yeah, he said, man, we, we were, I had to go down into Florida, and there was this big church in Florida, and um, they called me in, the elders called me in, and they had a big issue they had to work through. And, uh, and I, I said, I need Alan. So he called Alan. He said, Alan, will you join me down there? We got to kind of help this eldership team kind of work through some rough waters. And Alan said, I'll be there. He drove 12 hours all the way down to Florida to help Jack um, oversee some issues with this church. And, um, and then in the middle of, the, of, the, of all their meetings, he asked, you know, Jack asked Alan, would you, go, would you have something to share? And he basically says, I want you to support everything Jack Taylor has said and submit to it now. And then Jack says, then he got up and got in his truck and drove back to, to, to um, North Carolina. <laughs> he, said, he said, and he's amazing. And Jack says, Alan Smith is, is one of the most um, authoritative, honest, loving individuals he'd ever met. And so, um, so in that, we as an eldership team, we just, uh, we prayed about it, thought about it, and it was just natural. You know, a lot of things in the kingdom are very relational and very natural. It's not like we have to work it up. Ministry is birthed out of relationship. We have relationship with Alan Smith, and we really felt like it would be something very important to our church to, to have him come around and wrap his arms around this church and to be overseeing us as a, as a body. And in that, um, I told Alan uh, that I called him up because I, we, after we voted on it and decided I was going to call him and ask him if he would be open to, to be in our apostolic covering, I said, you know, Alan, it's kind of like a cat said, you don't adopt a cat. The cat adopts you. And I said, as a church, we kind of like to adopt you as our papa. So would you be willing to kind of be a covering for our church? And he said, I would be honored to. And um, I love this man very much. And um, he's seen me through some pretty rough waters. And, um, and he's been a real uh, sense of encouragement and support to me. And I'm just very grateful for him. So I want you guys to give Alan as much time as he needs to share. And uh, would you guys warmly uh, welcome Alan Smith as he comes to share. I don't know if I've ever said it here or not, but you don't give a farmer all the time he needs because we work in seasons. Let me see if I can make this phone work. No, I can't. Where's my help lady? There she is. If you get me started, I might can. If you get me started downhill, I can roll. <laughs> but you might have to push me off. <laughs> I don't know. Is that me? Yep. Okay. Okay. All righty. Let's see if it works here. 
Okay. Well, what am I doing wrong? Did it go? <clears throat> you like my picture? Y'all can study that a minute because this is where your homework's going to be. I uh, thank you, Sam, uh, for such an introduction. Good grief. I, I, uh, I am a dairy farmer, and uh, I, when the Lord, I'm 69 years old, the Lord called me when I was about 28, I think it was, and, um, but when the Lord called me to do whatever it is that I do, uh, I had a dream. And in this dream, the angel of the Lord was beside me and was talking to me, and, and he told me that uh, the Lord was calling me into service, was, and he said, is that a, do you have a yes or a no? I thought, this is going to be a short dream, I guess, but he just said, yes or no? And I was like, but I was like wait a minute, what? I said, what, what am I? In the dream, I asked the angel, I said, well, what am I? He said, whatever they call you. I thought, this could be dangerous, right? And, uh, and so then I, then I just I woke up. And so I have never felt like that. I tell people, they, they say, well, Alan, we want you to be an apostolic covering or whatever. I said, well, I'll do it because of the dream. And, and I said yes in the dream. And, but I, what I said yes to is to whatever you call me. So, and, and if you call me an uh, apostle over the church, that's fine, but we're going to use a little a. Everybody understands that? It's a little a. It's not a big a. It's a little a. And so I, I can be a covering with a, with a little a. And the reason I can be in that place of covering is because that's how you see me. I am whatever you call me. If you don't call me that, I'm not that. If you call me that, yeah, well, I will trust in the Holy Ghost that I can fulfill that. That's, that's the way it works. It's not, it's not that I am something. It's that I can be what I need to be based on your faith on what's needed. Is that okay? And, 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 and if it's outside of that, if you need to know how to plant corn or if you've got a sick cow, call me. I have no problem with that. I can roll, I can roll that right out. But when we get into the body of Christ and the church, uh, without the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. And it's no, it's no matter who. I say yes to be in that covering. It's an honor. But also do it with the understanding that I am whatever you call me. So I guess if you call me a jerk, I guess I need to straighten up, don't I? So I, I will fulfill uh, what I said yes to in the dream. And, uh, but it's also based on what, the, what you receive and what we believe. And you call me into being that by your faith in God. It's not that I am that. I'm a farmer. But it's amazing what the Holy Ghost can turn a farmer into. It's amazing. And as he does with all of us. Okay, let's, uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to do this. Okay, you see my little picture there. We've got uh, four frogs uh, sitting on a limb, and they're actually over a pool of water. And this, uh, you can see the, if you look at the four frogs and you study them a little bit, you can tell they, they all four got just a little bit of an attitude. 
Can you tell that? They got just a little bit of an attitude. And, and uh, uh, did it work? I don't know that it did or not. And uh, okay, it's not changing. You want to change it? Okay, just change it to my next slide. Okay, if you can see the title of that, the title of this message is "Which Frog Are You?" And uh, I hope you're impressed. If you, as you, now you got to go with me here on this journey. Just go with me here. They're all on a limb. Just imagine that they're over a pool of water, a pond, if you will. They're all four sitting on a limb. And the first one there, I named him Harry, just so he'd be a little more personable to me. But you can look at Harry there, and he's hanging on the limb. And, and the truth, that limb is life to them. In other words, they're, they're having to hang on. I guess the Holy Ghost didn't want that there. They're, they're hanging on to the limb. And, and Harry there, you can see he's got his head above the limb in Jesus' name. And see, it's amazing what you can do if y'all believe in me. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. So with Harry, he's hanging on. He's hanging on. He's got his head just above the limb. And it's kind of like he's kind of got the feeling of he's just got his head above water, so to speak, you know. But he's hanging on the limb and and he's there, and give him a next, and the next one here is Susie, name the next one, Susie, you can see Susie definitely got an attitude, Susie's on the limb, she's got all four on the limb, it's like she's safe and secure, there's no doubt in her mind that she's on the limb, and she's just safe, and everything's going to be fine, now give me my next one, now the next one here is Fred, now Fred, he's a little bit of a show off with his attitude, he's got... He's hanging on with three feet, and he's got one up in the air, like a little bit of a show-off. Uh, you could call it male ego if you like, and, but that's Fred. Now, we got a little one on the end. It, it, they called him Pee-wee. It's like everybody made fun of the little ones. He was on the end. He was barely hanging on to life. They were over this pond of water. He had a little Pee-wee. And as the story goes, they would shake the limb and try to shake little Pee-wee off down into the water. And uh, now there's a little story that goes with this. I'll give you my next slide. Now just let those names burn into your mind there, my next. And so here we see, a boy told his father, Dad, if four frogs were sitting on a limb that hung over a pool, and one frog decided to jump off into the pool, how many frogs would be left on the limb? Next. The dad replied, three. No, the son replied. There are four frogs and one decides to jump. How many are left? Next. The dad said, oh, I get it. If one decides to jump, the others would too. So there are none left. Next. The boy said, no, Dad, the answer's four. The frog only decided to jump. 
The frog only decided to jump. So we see here that we felt like that the frog, when he decided to jump, that he jumped. I'll give him my next slide. There's what it looks like when you free fall for Jesus. He jumped. Give my next. To decide means I have exercised my choice. To decide, the little peewee finally jumped. But to decide doesn't mean you jumped. Give me my next part of that. But to jump does what? Changes everything. A lot of us have decided to follow Jesus, and we're going to do this for Jesus, and we're going to do that for Jesus, but we hadn't jumped yet. You see, the jump changes everything. Not the decision. The decision lines you up to jump. But the jump changes everything. That's one thing about the jump. Now look at that little frog. He jumped. He finally, Pee-wee, jumped. He's on his way down. And what you got to understand, even though he's on his way down, he can't change his mind. Once you jumped, gravity takes over. Are you with me? So how do you know if you've jumped? It's because you know you're not going back. The decision has turned into a jump. Now, sometimes life takes us up on what we have chosen and pushes us off the limb. Anybody had that one? <laughs> yeah, okay. In words, you decided, I'm afraid maybe sometimes God gets tired of waiting on us. He'll shake the limb, then we fall off and we say, yeah, I jumped. <laughs> you know. So on the way down, the decision we've got to understand, to make the decision is tremendously important. And God takes that decision. But that decision he is holding, but he's waiting for you to make the choice to jump. If he has to help us a little bit along the way, he's been known to do that. Either way, what we have chosen gives us the faith to do what? Uh, to jump. Now give me my next slide. Okay. Now here what I want us to I want us to consider something. I want us to, my message today is it's actually short and very simplistic. You're just a wonderful place to say, hey, man, glory, hallelujah. It's going to be short. <laughs> but what I want us to see, it is, it's a simple message and it's a short message, but it's a true message. So we, ha we have this idea, well, I've decided I thought since I've decided that I've done it, but I found out, no, I just decided, and I've yet to jump. Some perhaps even decided to come to church today, but I'm not really into the church. I'm not, I hadn't fully jumped in yet. You need to leave real quick and not listen to the rest of this message, because perhaps you're going to jump. There's a lot of different ways we can jump when God's speaking to us, and let's, let, let's watch it. Faith is calculated risk by trusting God. Now, faith is a calculated risk 
if you can hear what I'm saying. It is a calculation. It is risky. I mean, jumping with God's a little risky. But still yet, it's a calculated risk to go with God. Give me my next one. Now, as we see this, we understand where there is risk, there's also a choice. You say, well, Alan, this is risky. Yeah, it's risky. But everywhere there's a risk, now I want you to think, just get that in you. Where there's a risk, there's a choice. So to follow God is risky business. But it always requires a choice. What kind of choice? It takes a decision to follow God, but it takes more than a decision. We've got to jump. We got to jump. We got to move on that decision. Keep that in mind. Very again, there again. This is a very simple message, but I want you to go with me. Give me a little next one. A choice is a spiritual action of anything we create. Now, here's what I want us to see. Choice is a spiritual action. Choice is a spiritual action of anything we create. Choice is a spiritual action of anything that we create. Not decision. Right? Once, when we make a choice and the jump is in action, we have just changed our future. You're not at the same place you were. Things are changing. Now, give me my next one. And anything created requires a level of sacrifice greater than what seems to be created. Now let me, I'm, I'm throwing you out a lot of different terms, little ideas, and we're going to bring them all together here in a minute. I'm a dairy farmer, and I produce, we produce milk. A gallon of milk. I can set a gallon of milk right here. I produce milk. Now produce that gallon of milk takes a lot of work. You got to buy about 500 acres of land. You got to build milk barns. You got to build barns to house them in. You got to buy tractors. You got to buy corn planters. You got to buy forage harvesters. You got to buy hay bales. You got to buy hay mowers. Oh, oh yeah, then you got to buy cows. So you buy you a couple hundred cows, put them in the barns, in the milk barn. You grow the corn, you get the corn in. You do all of that work. Now, trust me. That gallon of milk doesn't seem like it's worth all that work. It just, um, it's like, when you make a gallon of milk, you're like, I mean, it's real to me how much it takes to produce a gallon of milk. And it just doesn't seem worth it. Now, the truth is, that gallon of milk will bring health to some child or to anybody that drinks it. I don't care what the Internet says. Milk is healthy for you. It's good for you. But it takes a lot of work. It, when I make a gallon of milk daily and the truck comes in, picks up the milk, goes out, I'm like, boy, that little, to make milk, it sure doesn't look like it's worth all of that work. Because it, you get up at 3 o'clock. You know, we start milking at 3 o'clock in the morning. We milk at 3 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and 7 o'clock. We milk three times a day. It takes five hours, six hours of milking to make a gallon of milk. Now here's my point. 
it really and truly doesn't seem like it's worth it. We barely make a living at milking cows. You don't make much money. So it doesn't seem like it's worth it. But so it is with the things of God. Things that bring life to people take a lot of work. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something else. At the end of the day, it's not going to feel like it's worth it. But it's life. It's eternal life. So, in being a farmer, I don't look at a gallon of milk and say, is it worth it? I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I produce a gallon of milk because I know it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. God said, Alan, you're a farmer, you're going to farm, I want you to feed people. And I said, yes. So it's the right thing to do. That's why I do it. So why do we do the things of the kingdom? Because it's the right thing to do. That's why. If you look at it and say, this just isn't worth it. Well, I, yeah, I know that one. The things of the kingdom, if you start evaluating, is it worth it or not, you're always going to come up short. But that's not the reason we do it. The reason we do it is because it's the right thing to do. You know, everything today is done by, you know, the balance sheets. Is it profitable? Is it not profitable? Or we got a church, we've invested this much money, do we have this many people joining, or do we? I mean, we look at all these numbers, and we try to apply it to the church. <clears throat> and it's something about, I've been in one, what I would call a monumental revival in my life. I've been in one big one, one small one. And it lasted for three and a half years. And with a pastor friend of mine, and we were in it, and he he was actually a Baptist pastor, and he called me up one day and said, Alan, you've got to get down here. I said, what is it? He said, God's doing stuff that I told everybody he didn't do no more. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, you've got to get down here. So I went down there. I thought I'd go down there a couple weeks, and three and a half years later, I was still there. And God did things were just, I just, I mean, I knew that I would finish out my life in that revival. Well, just to show you how it goes, it, it we had some professional revival people come in. Didn't take it long, it just blew it up. Everybody knew what God liked. And we didn't know what God liked. God was just moving. And uh, as long as we were ignorant, it went well. <laughs> and uh, I guess God had mercy on us. But my point is the church now is not even there. This is 25 years later. But now, now here's my point. The only thing of that revival that's left is what God did in the hearts of his people. There's not a monument or anything. It's like God, you have a big revival. You ever notice that Pensacola, Toronto? You have these big, huge outpouring. You say, boy, this is, this is it. Then all of a sudden something happens and shoosh, like the hand of God comes, just wipes it off the face of the earth. And the reason is it's like he doesn't leave a monument to man. The only thing that's left is what God does in the hearts of his people. That's the gallon of milk. That's it. That's the gallon of milk. So why do we do what we do? Because it's the right thing to do. I'm not calculating on the balance sheet. I'm not calculating that this is why I do it. I can prove to you it's profitable that we lead people to Jesus. No. That's a totally... 
world system. We're in a kingdom of God system. It doesn't evaluate the numbers the same. Have you not noticed? One and one's not two with God. I just don't get it. I don't think he took math. It's just, I mean, God comes, he'll use the craziest things. He'll even use four frogs if you let him. He uses the craziest things to make his point. Now, let's look at it as we move on. Anything created, now watch it, requires a level of sacrifice greater than what it seems is being created. So with the gallon of milk or what's in the hearts of people, as Christians and as believers, you can't calculate. It's always going to feel like it's not worth it in your soul. But your spirit knows better because there's something being deposited in the hearts of people. You see, God doesn't look on the outside. God looks where? On the inside. Now, just think about that. When we walk into a church or we can walk into a business or we can walk in anywhere or a family and it's amazing in 30 minutes we got an opinion. Anybody ever notice that? 30 minutes we walk into the church we can tell you everything's wrong with it. We just get smart all of a sudden. I don't know how it works. And uh, so we walk in, we look at it, make an assessment of the worship and the pastor, and, and we leave. We got it down pat. We know everything that's wrong and what they need to fix. Now, that's what God calls being on the outside looking in. But now, now listen, that's not the way God works. God's on the inside, and he's worked looking out. You get it? If you're on the outside looking in, you just get a worldly, soulless view. But if you're on the inside looking out, then you know what the heck is going on. It's true. Wisdom says we make no assessments until we're on the inside looking out. You never make an assessment from the outside looking in. I mean, when you go to a doctor, he says, what's wrong with you? Well, you're coughing, and I've got this, and I've got that, and, and I itch, and I hurt, and i got this in the shoulder. And, and the doctor says, okay, that's fine. And the truth is, he's not paying much attention. He puts you through x-rays, through CT scans, pulls your blood work. He starts automatically on the inside trying to look out. He can't trust what he's hearing you say to make a diagnosis. He has to, it's just a simple wisdom of Proverbs. You're on the inside and you look out to use wisdom. I'll even go as quote Bible here. If you're on the, if you look, if you take life from the outside looking in, the proverb says you're a fool. I didn't say that. But the proverb says that. Now, I bet y'all want me to move on. All right, let's go. Give me my next slide here. Therefore, when we choose a good choice, next, it will always require a level of sacrifice that seems too high for what is being created. So the gallon of milk always seems like it's, just, it's too high. Well, we've got to understand as Christians, and what I'm wanting to do is for us to remove or erase this from our spiritual DNA. It's not biblical to look from the outside in. It's biblical to look from the inside out, and it takes time to do that. 
in people's lives, you have to invest in their lives and get in there with them. So you can look from the inside looking out and you really see what's happening. I think I'm popping a little bit. So, it will always require a level of sacrifice that seems too high for what is being created. Next. What would happen to the little frog if he never jumped? Isn't that something? What happened to Pee Wee? Had he, he decided, but somewhere along the line he jumped. Give him my next one. He never would realize the benefit of his choice. Are you with me? You see, when we walk with Jesus and we choose to follow him, but we haven't jumped yet, we don't get to receive the benefit of the choice. And then it's the, the scriptures and God's left untried. Because, you see, we're, the way we're programmed with school is you're an A student, a B student, a C student, or a D student. I guess they're still using letters. I don't know. Back when I went to school, they did. And so, basically, we are trained that you are what you know. Right? I'm an A student, B student, C student. You, this is who you are. It identifies. The way you're identified in the world system is based on how much you know. When it comes to the scriptures and with God, it's based on what you've decided and then applied. And jumped. You've decided, you've read the word of God, you've made a decision. I just want you to understand, if you decide to get married, you're not married yet. That's right. You're not married till you jump. So don't act like you're married when you've just decided. Right? We want to do things in God's name just because we've decided, but we had not jumped yet. We can't understand why it won't work. Now, give me my next one. Remember, to jump changes everything. Next. Now, it says this in James 1.25. Y'all know the scripture. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, but not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding of his natural face in the, in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightforth forgetteth what manner he is. In other words, you know the scripture here. He's saying, he is speaking about a person who has not jumped. Are you making, are you making a connection there? Now, you're, we're, he says here, we deceive ourselves. Now, I'm going to change gears with you a little, but I'm not really changing. I'm, adding, I'm going to broaden what we've said so far. I've shown you that uh, there's an issue of making a choice. And then that choice brings us to a decision. And then that decision brings us to action. But none of it means anything until the action takes place. Now watch this one. Did God create man imperfect? You can say, well, how can I say that? Did The question is, did, has anybody in here sinned? I don't want to know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. Okay, if, if that's a yes, how, how did perfect God 
create man imperfect? I think it's a good question. I've been asked that question. Because we know sin is imperfection, right? So perfect God actually created a human imperfect. Give, give me my next little one. Did God create us with a flaw? So did a perfect God create man with a flaw? Now, I've been in this conversation with, with somebody before. Great intellectual. Here I am, a farmer. He had enough letters after his name. I, you could have spelled mine twice. <laughs> so he was going to take me to task on, on God creating man. And, and so he said, how does a perfect God create a man and it's got a flaw? And, you know, that made me think. I'm going to share with you the response. Give me my next slide. Is the ability to make a choice a part of creativity or, next, a flaw in man's nature? Now, here's what I want you to grab. You've got to get a little deep with me here. God's created man with the ability to choose. If we choose poorly, it looks like a flaw. If we choose well, it's created. You with me? Let me do it again. If you choose poorly, it looks like a flaw, but it's still creative. If you choose well, it's creative, and you'll have a good outcome. That's the definition of choice. So God didn't create us with a flaw. He created us with the ability to choose so we could create with him. Since he's given us this choice and we don't choose well, it's still creative in nature because God made us that way. So I submitted to the guy. God didn't create us with a flaw. He created us with a choice, and it's up to us to choose if it looks like a flaw or not. You with me? Does the scriptures making sense? So God, a perfect God didn't create an imperfect man or a man with a flaw. God created us. Give me my next slide. Maybe I'll put it there. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. That verse is talking about creativeness. You see it? So when God created us in his image, he created us with the ability to create, but it takes a choice to be creative. Are you with me? Are you bored yet? Okay, go to the next one. You must have the choice to have the ability to create. So God had something in mind. He had something in mind. He wanted to create humans to walk with him and create with him. Wow. And he knew, God knew, that he was taking a risk. God knew he was taking a risk. Now listen, 
if God takes, has God, God's big God, chose to take a risk on us, can we not take a risk on Him? Duh. Claire, it looks like to me God's going to go broke doing business like this. I mean, he makes bad trades, it appears to me. So, God put a plan into action, and his plan was that he gave man ten commandments. He said, well, if they'll, if they'll just choose these ten things, we'll get along. We'll make it work. So God did the ten things, seemed very reachable to God. And we blew every one of them. And it appeared God, once again, made a risky choice. So God did this. He said, listen. God's message to man was the Ten Commandments. Just do this. God, that was his message. But God's love for us was greater than his message. See, the message isn't everything. Uh-oh. The message isn't everything. God's love for humanity was so huge that it was great. It, God's love exceeded his own message of the Ten Commandments. How do I know this? Because he said, listen, they can't do it, so I'm going to have to do it for them. So he came as his son, Jesus. Jesus came. He fulfilled. You see, what Jesus did was fulfilled God's requirement, or he fulfilled God's message. You get it? And so when Jesus fulfilled God's message, then God said, listen, just believe in what Jesus did. Just, just do that. Just believe that he fulfilled the message, and I'll count it as righteousness for you. Now here's the point. We as a church can have of any, our message of the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm for all of our messages of this Bible. But if your love isn't greater than that message, nobody will hear it. Our love must exceed our own message. And when that happens, you don't try to convince anybody of anything. Because the love of God is greater than your message. you got to be catching because I can't say all that I'm saying. So when we see our love is greater than our message. And then all of a sudden our message becomes empowered. Right? Why is the life of Jesus empowered? Because he fulfilled his message. Now, maybe I got off track. Oh, the creation. So what's happening here is God has now, he's not, when we make our bad choices, God has created a way that all things will work together for good. Listen, y'all, we can't fail this test. We can't fail it. I remember I was in high school and we had this new teacher and all of a sudden she come out with an open book test. Y'all remember that? I thought, what is this? You know what I'm saying? What is, what is an open book test? I mean, how does that work? And then I found out it's what God does. It's an open book test. 
just open the book. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. God, you gotta be kidding me. But to do that, a choice is made, and then I jump. I jump again. I jump. The decision, I, what I want you to get on this part is the decision doesn't mean it's happened yet. The jump means it's happened, and when you jump, it's a one-way trip. And there ain't no going back because spiritual gravity takes over. So if you've already jumped in with God, I'm just here to tell you, you're going to hit the water. You are going down. And he is coming up to lift you up like on wings of eagles. Now, now, I'm talking too much. All right, let's keep going here. The downside, now watch this, the downside of choice is it makes us feel like we're in control. Okay, I can make a choose, choice here. I'm creating stuff with God. I have something incredible has been created, but I feel pretty good about myself. I'm now in control of this thing. Give me my next one. Control is an illusion. <laughs> now you're looking at a guy who's been in some control of some stuff. It's an illusion. When I woke up to that truth, I, it, was, it, it, it was, you don't know the meaning of woke till you get that one. <laughs> if God wokes you, you're a woke person. I shouldn't have said that. All right, give me my next one. When we enter control, now watch this. When we enter control, we leave creativity. All right? God's created us with the ability to choose. And that ability to choose is what programs us with the ability to create. When we create something, all of a sudden we want to control it. That's what happens to churches. We do something good, we're growing a little bit, growing a little bit and all of a sudden we've got to control it. I'm saying you can't, if you control it, you're going to leave your creativity with God. It's going to die. Now, give me my next one. We are not to seek control, but options to choose from. So we have this ability to choose, and if you're walking with God, you say, okay, God, let me see what you're seeing. And God will, when I was raising my children, I would, I tried to, my wife always said I tried to grow them up too fast, but I, I was always trying to grow them. I mean, when they were three or four or five years old. So what I did was, I let them choose. I had some level of understanding of what I'm teaching you here. I knew that choosing is a big deal, so I would say, uh, they would say they want to do something. I said, okay, you can do this, this, or this. You choose. I didn't tell them. I said, okay. You got a choice. Now the truth is, they could have choose, chose any of the three would have been fine, right? It wasn't like there's a wrong answer. But I started them off early choosing in the choices, and I tried to limit how much I told them. I tried to live it, and then I wanted them to choose it. Then as they got older, the choices got a little closer together. <laughs> they got a little harder, right? But still, the choice is a big deal. 
when God turned us loose with this ability to choose, it's a huge deal. Now, once you start getting it, when you walk out these doors today, you're going to understand that every choice that you make is creative in nature. I'm talking about big stuff here. Uh, you're talking about finances. You make the right choices. It makes it, it's creative in nature. Now, watch this. Give me my next one. The best option is to choose the will of God. So you see all of these options out here. Then I start saying, okay, I got this and this and this and this. And the truth is I can create with any of them. I mean, all of them are good. But usually one of them is the will of God. I'm not saying God can't work with it. But usually one of them is the will of God. Give me my next one. And I'll move on here a little quicker. Next. Faith is the substance of things what? Okay. It's a choice. You've got to start seeing faith is a choice. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is a choice. You're kidding. To have faith doesn't mean you have faith in all things. Everything in your life requires a measure of faith. That's right. Now let, give me my next one right quickly. Faith is required on both sides of a creative miracle. Wow. Now, let me show you this one. I've been healed of cancer. I was 37 years old. I'm 69 now. I was 37. I was given three to six months to live. Lost the right lung. Yada, 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 yada. Had my lymph nodes and all over. I've never had chemo. I've never had radiation. They told me to go home and die. Hmm. God healed me. Now that was 30 some years ago. You wouldn't believe the people that explained the way that I got healed. Well, they missed the diagnosis. Well, they missed, well, they, well, one thing I can tell you, I went from 185 to 135. I don't know what you call that, how you get that one missed. But it took an element of faith that was applied before the miracle happened. But let me tell you something. It takes just as much faith right now for me to believe it happened. I'm 30 years out. And I get to thinking about it. Now, here's, here's my point. Please catch it. I have to re-engage in faith to remember properly that God healed me. You would think you have faith for healing, you get healed, and that settles it. No. Well, if they could only see, they'd believe. No. I'm telling you, it takes as much faith to keep believing the miracle after the miracle as it did before the miracle. So you just really give it up. We're just a people of faith. A miracle doesn't stop the transaction of the faith for the miracle. I've been born again. That's a miracle. But I have to sit here and tell you, I have to re-engage in faith to remember I'm born again. I have to apply my faith that I've been born again. It's a miracle. It takes just as much faith now as it did on the other side of faith, of the miracle. You get it? So we've got to be just a people of cotton picking, just 
gushing out faith is all I know. We're just going to walk around in faith all the time. We're going to walk around our whole life praying for substance of things that we can't see. It's going to look like a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> because we're going to have a lifestyle of faith. It doesn't stop when the miracle happens, what I'm telling you. You've got to have it on the other side of it. 30 years later, you still got to have it. I was talking with the doctor. And where I, I realized that, I was talking with a doctor here six months ago, one that diagnosed me with cancer. I said, and I, asked, I said, Doc, let me ask you something. I said, do you still believe God healed me of cancer? And he sat there a minute. He said, well, Alan, he had to. I said, well, why? He said, because you were a dead man. I know you were a dead man. I said, well, that sounds pretty good as, fa as facts, but where's your f do you believe it? He said, well, that's funny you'd say that. Let me think here a minute. A little bit. He said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I do believe it. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, he said, I remember. Yeah, 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 I believe it. Yeah. And so I was discovering it takes as much faith on this side of a miracle to re-engage into the miracle as it did before you had the miracle. It's just incredible. So all of a sudden, we're hung. We're miracle people. We're just faith people. You don't ever grow up and not need it. Because it takes the same amount of faith before your miracles as it does after the miracle. And guess what? There's a whole lot more you're looking for. But be, be, just rejoice because you're in good shape because all you do is exercise faith anyway on what hasn't happened and what has happened and what's going to happen. We're full of it. Faith. Now, give me my next slide right quick. God has given man the ability to make decisions on his own that will affect his or her life. So we're in this creative gear of making choices and jumping, and that creates something in our life. Give me my next one. To choose is to decide. Remember the frog. To choose is to decide. You can choose to come to church here. I'll do something easy. You can choose to come to church here. You've decided to come to church here. But you can choose and decide and still be sitting on the limb. question is, are you going to jump? Jump makes the decision real. Give me my next one. To act upon that decision changes everything. Next. Some of our choices are good ones and some are bad ones. Next. The making of bad choices due to incorrect or lack of knowledge can just be we're uninformed and we've made some bad choices. Next. Deliberate ignoring of knowledge. Now watch this. Deliberate ignoring of knowledge and having the knowledge made clear to your understanding and still making bad choices causes that individual to be a fool. Next. says it in Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. The self-confident fool thinks too highly of himself 
and his opinions, and he shares them freely. Do you need any more commentary, or can I go on? Next slide. I believe that the freedom to choose given to us by God is one of the greatest gifts of mankind. Next. Next. I believe this year is calling for a people that has a resolve. Next. A resolve to make good choices that agree with God and then act upon these choices. Next. Just like the little frog must jump to make his decision real, we must also. Now watch that. That's not just words. Just like the little frog must jump to make his decision real, we must also. The jump is what makes the choice real. Are you with me? The jump is what makes it real. In other words, we got this Bible. Do you know what makes this Bible real? It's because somebody read it and jumped. Then all of a sudden, it becomes real. Give me our next one. Now watch this. Our jump creates the Bible into a reality. Not our decision. You're almost there, but our jump. In other words, you can be in Walmart. Holy Ghost says, see that person over there has got two kids. I want you to go over and pray for them. And after that, I want you to give them $20. You jump. That's what you do. You jump. You don't sit there and figure, well, I don't know if anybody wants to see me. No, you jump. And you go pray for the person. I was talking to a situation the other day with a guy and we'd been at a restaurant and uh, he had, uh, after we got done he had wrote a little prophetic word on a piece of paper and left a hundred dollar bill folded it up and left it for the for the lady that had been serving us and, uh, I, it was over, probably a year and a half later I went back in the same restaurant it was in a, another town and so I went into that restaurant and I, and I sat down and uh, I was with another person. And that same lady came over to us. She said, you're the one, you're the one, you are, you're the one. I said, what? You're the one left me that note and that $100. I said, no, I was with the person with me. Yeah, you were, you were with him. I said, yeah, I was with him. She said, you don't understand. She said, that paper you gave me, she got is still on my refrigerator been there over a year and that word came about in three months and the reason it came about because I needed that hundred dollars to pay so that could come about why because he jumped it was creative right you can have the heart to go pray and talk. you can have we can all have this heart and and make the decision yes I'm going to but it's the jump that changes things now, let's look at this next one. The jump changes everything. Next. The miracle is in the jump. Can you hear that? <laughs> the miracle's in the jump. Jesus could have said, yeah, I'll do the cross, but he jumped. 
Had he not jumped, the miracle wouldn't have took place of eternal life. We're doing, we're, we're in the kingdom of God. We play by a different rule book. And in the kingdom of God rule book, you're not what you know. You are what you jump. Now, let's go a little quickly. I'm, I'm holding you on too late. Let's go a little more. Remember, it takes faith on both sides of the miracle. Next. Jump. I think there's one more slide. Put it up. Next. I'm calling this the year of the jump. It's what I'm calling 2022. I'm calling Christians everywhere to jump. This is the year we move. Anybody got a witness? This is the year we move. Now remember, I'm proud of you that you've chosen well and you've decided. But I'm trying to shake you off that limb. And once you, sh once you jump, no parachute. No parachute. When you jump with God, you're free-falling. It's a free-fall. You risk it all. I'm telling you, running with God is risky business. But for God to run with us is risky for Him. Please go away from here and understand that choice is powerful. The miracles, the power of God is in the power of the choice. That's the reason God created us with the ability to choose. And he says, choose well what you create. And we join with God. And when we leave from here, when you leave from here, say, God, let's create something this afternoon. I choose God. I choose to want to walk in the will of God. Now remember, the miracle is in the jump. That's where it is. Now, I'm done, but I'm going to ask you a question. The question I want to ask you is, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, the Holy Spirit wants you to say, yes, God, I'll jump, or no. I mean, some sitting in here, no doubt, have, um, well, the Holy Ghost can speak this truth that I've given you to your hearts in a lot of different ways. What you've really been uh, made aware of today is that your choices are the biggest weapon that humanity can have. And when we couple our choices with the creativity of God and then we jump with Him, it changes things. It just changes things. Now, let, now listen. Don't look for what's changing to leave a monument. It's going to look like it's not worth it. Remember? Why do we do it? Because it's the right thing to do. That's my choice. It's the right thing to do. So I want to pray for you right quickly. And If there's any here that... Uh, 
need prayer for physical healing, I want you to jump and stand up right now. Uh, and I'm going to pray for you for physical healing. Anybody with physical healing, just stand up right quickly. Physical healing, just jump, stand up, and I want to pray for you. And by you standing, that's a form of a jump. It's a form of jumping off with God and saying, God, I want to take a risk with you. It's a jump. If there's anybody here that's not been born again, that's not got a relationship with Jesus, but you want to jump into that, I want you to stand also. If there's anyone here that's struggling mentally, that's, that's under so much pressure mentally, you're saying, and I know it takes something to stand with me, say, I understand that, but you got to jump. You got to jump got mental pressure feel like it's more than you can do I just want you to stand okay alright I want to pray for you Lord Jesus we love you and I thank you oh God for your word and Lord you know our deal if there's anything that I've said that's not of you I pray oh God that it would fall to the ground it wouldn't hurt anybody and they would not hold it to my charge but Lord, if there's anything that I've said that's of you and your spirit and is true, I pray that it'll pierce the hearts of these believers. I thank you for them, O oh God. I pray, O oh God, that their faith will so arise in the choices that they make with you that they feel like, O oh God, they can fly like eagles. That their choices, O oh God, would be so creative and Lord, I pray right now for any physical healing that's needed in the house here, any mental healing that's needed of stress. I lift these up to you that's jumped, that stood before you, Lord. You say we have not because we ask not. So Lord God, I'm asking for these that is jumped in these physical illnesses and mental pressures. I pray, oh God, is their jump would make those scriptures real when we say be healed in the name of Jesus when we say uh, I felt like there's a couple here that's had unkind words spoken over you when you were maybe small or growing up or whatever unkind words have been spoken over you I break off all unkind words that's ever been spoken over you they are not prophetic in nature and they must fall to the ground. Any unkind words have been spoken by family or friends or by anybody. Let us feel that strongly in the name of Jesus that those words must fall to the ground and by the blood of Christ they have no meaning in these lives. So Lord God, I thank you. I bless this church in the name of Jesus and I speak, oh God, that this will be known as the jumpiest church on this side of Africa. That you can't, that it'll be have a reputation if you get around them, they allow them to jump on you. So, Lord God, I just commission them. I commission them in the name of Jesus to follow your voice and your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor. Wow. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, Alan. That word was powerful. And um, I, um, I want to just say that I think one of the greatest obstacles that deters people from jumping is fear. And it's fear of the unknown. And even in things of the kingdom, sometimes we don't even realize what we're fully even jumping into. But what we heard is the right thing to do. And in the things of the kingdom, you must lose your life to find your life. So that doesn't really make sense, but but you're losing your self life. You're, you're jumping off the branch from your self life into the kingdom life. And living your self life is really you in control. And the self life is what gets us in trouble. So being willing to let go of your self life and lose your life and die with Christ as we die with him in baptism. We were baptized into his death. He, he raises us up as new creatures in Christ. So what you're seeing is that when you're jumping off the branch, you're jumping into the newness of life. Really, the, the, the life that you were created for. And, but when you jump, the thing we got to remember is this. You're jumping into the arms of love. You're jumping into love. You're leaving fear, and you're jumping into love. And he's going to hold you. He's not going to let you go. And you're not going to make, you know, it's like you don't make a bad choice in jumping. You're doing it because you're doing it in faith, knowing that his everlasting arms are going to hold you and catch you in the air. I mean, I've had a couple times when, when my grandson, Abel, he jumps out at me just whenever I expect. I don't even know he's jumping. And he's coming in midair, and all of a sudden I grab him, you know, and I'm like, whoo, I'm glad I caught you, buddy. <laughs> and, but he jumps because he knows love and arms are going to get him, you know. He knows we're going to catch him. So, Father, I just thank you for this word today. And, Lord, I thank you so much for Alan. And, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus now that, Father, you would so bless our brother, our father, our friend. And, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus as a church, is we come under this wonderful, blessed Father. The Lord, there would be safety, and, and there would be peace, and there would be rest. And Father, we honor him, and we bless him. And we ask that he would prosper in all his ways in this new year as he jumps out into new things. And Father, we are asking this year he would see the fruit of, of the jumps that he's going to be taking, just as we are going to see the fruit of the jumps that we're going to take. So, Father, bless Alan. Bless his family. Bless his farm. Bless his cows. Bless all his workers. And let it, let it um, 
let him prosper twofold this year. Let him make more bags of manure than he's ever seen before. And Father, I thank you and I praise you for his life. And I thank you, Lord, for restoring his health and for the miracle that you've done in him and are continuing to do in him. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. Let's stand up. Tell somebody beside you, it's time to jump. Say, it's time to jump. And why don't, you know, some of you just might want to grab the hand of the person beside you and say, let's just jump together. You know, it's better sometimes to jump together. You know, listen, can I tell you one thing that I just did? Listen, okay. When I, we, I wish I could show this. Do we have that video footage? Oh, okay. Well, we had a, we had a staff retreat this weekend or this, this last couple of days. And uh, we're out at the lake and, um, and everybody's there. And, uh, and somebody said, man, we got to do a polar plunge. And I'm like, oh my goodness and so i said all right let's just um let's let's just nominate daniel daniel webb is gonna do the polar plunge and then and then they said to me and then they said well if daniel's gonna do it you know i said well daniel's gonna do it i'll do it and uh and i was kind of betting on daniel wouldn't do it so then i wouldn't have to jump in so so daniel decided he didn't want to jump and that's okay you know it's all right well, the pressure kept mounting. Next thing I know, the whole staff decides they're going to do a polar plunge. So, I don't know how many was there. Where one, two, how many jumped in? Five, six, five. So, listen, we're out there at the lake, and this isn't like, you know, a heated swimming pool. This is cold water. So, we're all standing there, and we're in our, some are in their PJs, and some are in their whatever. So we were there, and we, I said, let's all hold hands. We're going to jump together. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. So we grabbed hands, and we jumped in together, and we were screaming, and it was just like, wow, we did it together. You know, there was such excitement in, in jumping into the water together, and, and then I couldn't get out of that water faster. I tell you, once, I, once you're in, oh, my goodness. Whew. But. So just, just look at the person beside you and say, hey, let's just jump together. So makes it a lot better, makes it a lot funner. So, all right, bless you all in Jesus' name. Lord, prosper, bless, protect, and keep everyone and give them your shalom peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you all give Alan a big hand? Yeah. Thank you. Amen.